0: CHAPTER 46 OF ASTORIA, OR ANECDOTES OF AN ENTERPRISE BEYOND THE ROCKY MOUNTAINS, BY WASHINGTON IRVING. THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. TRAVELERS UNHORSED, PEDESTRIAN PREPARATIONS, PRYING SPIES, BONFIRES OF BAGGAGE, A MARCH ON FOOT, RAFTING A RIVER, THE WOUNDED ELK, INDIAN TRAILS, WILLFUL CONDUCT OF MR. McCLELLAN, GRAND PROSPECT FROM A MOUNTAIN, distant craters of volcanoes illness of mr Crooks. few reverses in this changeful world are more complete and disheartening than that of a traveller suddenly unhorsed in the midst of the wilderness our unfortunate travellers contemplated their situation for a time in perfect dismay a long journey over rugged mountains and immeasurable plains lay before them which they must painfully perform on foot and everything necessary for subsistence or defence must be carried on their shoulders their dismay however was but transient and they immediately set to work with that prompt expediency produced by the exigencies of the wilderness to fit themselves for the change in their condition Their first attention was to select from their baggage such articles as were indispensable to their journey, to make them up into convenient packs, and to deposit the residue in caches. The whole day was consumed in these occupations. At night they made a scanty meal of their remaining provisions, and lay down to sleep with heavy hearts. In the morning they were up and about at an early hour, and began to prepare their knapsacks for a march while ben jones repaired to an old beaver trap which he had set in the river bank at some little distance from the camp he was rejoiced to find a middle-sized beaver there sufficient for a morning's meal to his hungry comrades on his way back with his prize he observed two heads peering over the edge of an impending cliff several hundred feet high which he supposed to be a couple of wolves as he continued on he now and then cast his eye up heads were still there looking down with fixed and watchful gaze a suspicion now flashed across his mind that they might be indian scouts and had they not been so far above the reach of his rifle he would undoubtedly have regaled them with a shot on arriving at the camp he directed the attention of his comrades to these aerial observers the same idea was at first entertained that they were wolves but their immovable watchfulness soon satisfied everyone that they were Indians. It was concluded that they were watching the movements of the party to discover their place of concealment of such articles as they would be compelled to leave behind. There was no likelihood that the caches would escape the search of such keen eyes and experienced rummagers, and the idea was intolerable that any more booty should fall into their hands. To disappoint them, therefore, the travellers stripped the caches of the articles deposited there, and collecting together everything that they could not carry away with them, made a bonfire of all that would burn, and threw the rest into the river. There was a forlorn satisfaction in thus balking the crows, by the destruction of their own property, and having thus gratified their pique, they shouldered their packs about ten o'clock in the morning, and set out on their pedestrian wayfaring the route they took was down along the banks of mad river this stream makes its way through the defiles of the mountains into the plain below fort henry where it terminates in snake river mr stewart was in hopes of meeting with snake encampments in the plain where he might procure a couple of horses to transport the baggage in such case he intended to resume his eastern course across the mountains and endeavour to reach the cheyenne river before winter should he fail however of obtaining horses he would probably be compelled to winter on the pacific side of the mountains somewhere on the headwaters of the spanish or colorado river with all the care that had been observed in taking nothing with them that was not absolutely necessary the poor pedestrians were heavily laden and their burdens added to the fatigues of their rugged road they suffered much too from hunger the trout they caught were too poor to yield much nourishment their main dependence therefore was upon an old beaver trap which they had providentially retained whenever they were fortunate enough to entrap a beaver it was cut up immediately and distributed that each man might carry his share after two days of toilsome travel during which they made but eighteen miles they stopped on the twenty-first to build two rafts on which to cross to the north side of the river on these they embarked on the following morning four on one raft and three on the other and pushed boldly from shore finding the rafts sufficiently firm and steady to withstand the rough and rapid water they changed their minds and instead of crossing ventured to float down with the current the river was in general very rapid and from one to two hundred yards in width winding in every direction through mountains of hard black rock covered with pines and cedars the mountains to the east of the river were spurs of the rocky range and of great magnitude those on the west were little better than hills bleak and barren or scantily clothed with stunted grass mad river though deserving its name from the impetuosity of its current was free from rapids and cascades and flowed on in a single channel between gravel banks often fringed with cottonwood and dwarf willows in abundance these gave sustenance to immense quantities of beaver so that the voyagers found no difficulty in procuring food ben jones also killed a fallow deer and a wolverine and as they were unable to carry the carcasses on their rafts their larder was well supplied indeed they might have occasionally shot beavers that were swimming in the river as they floated by but they humanely spared their lives being in no want of meat at the time in this way they kept down the river for three days drifting with the current and encamping on land at night when they drew up their rafts on shore towards the evening of the third day they came to a little island on which they descried a gang of elk ben jones landed and was fortunate enough to wound one which immediately took to the water but being unable to stem the current drifted above a mile when it was overtaken and drawn to shore as a storm was gathering they now encamped on the margin of the river where they remained all the next day sheltering themselves as well as they could from the rain and snow a sharp foretaste of the impending winter during their encampment they employed themselves in jerking a part of the elk for future supply in cutting up the carcass they found that the animal had been wounded by hunters about a week previously an arrowhead and a musket ball remaining in the wounds in the wilderness every trivial circumstance is a matter of anxious speculation the snake indians have no guns the elk, therefore, could not have been wounded by one of them. They were on the borders of the country infested by the Blackfeet, who carry firearms. It was concluded, therefore, that the elk had been hunted by some of that wandering and hostile tribe, who, of course, must be in the neighborhood. The idea put an end to the transient solace they had enjoyed in the comparative repose and abundance of the river for three days longer they continued to navigate with their rafts the recent storm had rendered the weather extremely cold they had now floated down the river about ninety-one miles when finding the mountains on the right diminished to moderate-sized hills they landed and prepared to resume their journey on foot Accordingly, having spent a day in preparations, making moccasins, and parceling out their jerked meat in packs of twenty pounds to each man, they turned their backs upon the river on the twenty ninth of September and struck off to the northeast, keeping along the southern skirt of the mountain on which Henry's fort was situated. Their march was slow and toilsome. Part of the time through an alluvial bottom thickly grown with cottonwood, hawthorn, and willows, and part of the time over rough hills. Three antelopes came within shot, but they dared not fire at them, lest the report of their rifles should betray them to the Blackfeet. In the course of the day, they came upon a large horse track, apparently about three weeks old, and in the evening, encamped on the banks of a small stream on a spot which had been the camping-place of this same band on the following morning they still observed the indian track but after a time they came to where it separated in every direction and was lost this showed that the band had dispersed in various hunting parties and was in all probability still in the neighbourhood it was necessary therefore to proceed with the utmost caution they kept a vigilant eye as they marched upon every height where a scout might be posted and scanned the solitary landscapes and the distant ravines to observe any column of smoke but nothing of the kind was to be seen all was indescribably stern and lifeless Towards evening they came to where there were several hot springs, strongly impregnated with iron and sulphur, and sending up a volume of vapour that tainted the surrounding atmosphere, and might be seen at the distance of a couple of miles. Near to these they encamped in a deep gully, which afforded some concealment. To their great concern, Mr. Crooks, who had been indisposed for the two preceding days, had a violent fever in the night shortly after daybreak they resumed their march on emerging from the glen a consultation was held as to their course should they continue round the skirt of the mountain they would be in danger of falling in with the scattered parties of blackfeet who were probably hunting in the plain it was thought most advisable therefore to strike directly across the mountain since the route though rugged and difficult would be most secure this counsel was indignantly derided by McClellan as pusillanimous. Hot-headed and impatient at all times, he had been rendered irascible by the fatigues of the journey and the condition of his feet, which were chafed and sore. He could not endure the idea of encountering the difficulties of the mountain and swore he would rather face all the blackfeet in the country he was overruled however and the party began to ascend the mountain striving with the ardour and emulation of young men who should be first up mcclellan who was double the age of some of his companions soon began to lose breath and fall in the rear in the distribution of burdens it was his turn to carry the old beaver trap piqued and irritated he suddenly came to a halt swore he would carry it no further and jerked it half-way down the hill he was offered in place of it a package of dried meat but this he scornfully threw upon the ground they might carry it he said who needed it for his part he could provide his daily bread with his rifle he concluded by flinging off from the party and keeping along the skirts of the mountain leaving those he said to climb rocks who were afraid to face indians it was in vain that mr stewart represented to him the rashness of his conduct and the dangers to which he exposed himself he rejected such counsel as craven it was equally useless to represent the dangers to which he subjected his companions as he could be discovered at a great distance on those naked plains and the indians seeing him would know that there must be other white men within reach mcclellan turned a deaf ear to every remonstrance and kept on his wilful way it seemed a strange instance of perverseness in this man thus to fling himself off alone in a savage region where solitude itself was dismal and every encounter with his fellow-man full of peril such however is the hardness of spirit and the insensibility to danger that grow upon men in the wilderness mcclellan moreover was a man of peculiar temperament ungovernable in his will of a courage that absolutely knew no fear and somewhat of a braggart spirit that took a pride in doing desperate and hare-brained things mr stewart and his party found the passages of the mountains somewhat difficult on account of the snow which in many places was of considerable depth though it was but the first of october They crossed the summit early in the afternoon, and beheld below them a plain about twenty miles wide, bounded on the opposite side by their old acquaintances, the Pilot Knobs, those towering mountains, which had served Mr. Hunt as landmarks in part of his route of the preceding year. Through the intermediate plain wandered a river about fifty yards wide, sometimes gleaming in open day, but oftener running through willowed banks, which marked its serpentine course. Those of the party who had been across these mountains pointed out much of the bearings of the country to Mr. Stewart. They showed him in what direction must lie the deserted post called Henry's Fort, where they had abandoned their horses and embarked in canoes, and they informed him that the stream which wandered through the plain below them fell into Henry River, halfway between the fort and the mouth of Mad or Snake River. The character of all this mountain region was decidedly volcanic, and to the northwest, between Henry's fort and the source of the Missouri, Mr. Stewart observed several very high peaks covered with snow, from two of which smoke ascended in considerable volumes, apparently from craters in a state of eruption. On their way down the mountain, when they had reached the skirts, they descried McClellan at a distance, in the advance, traversing the plain whether he saw them or not he showed no disposition to rejoin them but pursued his sullen and solitary way after descending into the plain they kept on about six miles until they reached the little river which was here about knee-deep and richly fringed with willow here they encamped for the night at this encampment the fever of mr crooks increased to such a degree that it was impossible for him to travel some of the men were strenuous for mr stewart to proceed without him urging the imminent danger they were exposed to by delay in that unknown and barren region infested by the most treacherous and inveterate foes they represented that the season was rapidly advancing the weather for some days had been extremely cold the mountains were already almost impassable from snow and would soon present effectual barriers. Their provisions were exhausted, there was no game to be seen, and they did not dare to use their rifles through fear of drawing upon them the Blackfeet. The picture thus presented was too true to be contradicted and made a deep impression on the mind of Mr. Stewart. But the idea of abandoning a fellow-being and a comrade in such a forlorn situation was too repugnant to his feelings to be admitted for an instant. He represented to the men that the malady of Mr. Crooks could not be of long duration, and that in all probability he would be able to travel in the course of a few days. It was with great difficulty, however, that he prevailed upon them to abide the event End of chapter 46